Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I am elated to have the Performance Director for Michigan Football, Fergus Connolly, on the show. Guys, Fergus is going to start out discussing his computer science background and how that's impacted him and his views both in high performance and strength and conditioning. Uh, we then talk about you know, the pitfalls that he sees with coaches choosing technology and diving right into uh, kind of the, the extreme situations that coaches get into when it comes to dealing with new technologies. And we also talk about some questions that he thinks that we as strength and conditioning coaches and or high performance directors need to answer before we start to bring into uh, bring technology into what we're doing. And then we, we touch upon, you know, what coaches should be looking at across all sports and how there's connections between each and every sport that we work with and what those connections are and how we can look at those to better our athletes. And then we finish off talking about uh, the publication uh, that he has coming out, you know, either late summer, early fall. Uh, Fergus is an absolute wealth of knowledge, an absolute rock star in the field. Uh, I was lucky to meet him up in Boston at the BSMPG a few years ago. This talk is absolutely killer, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Fergus, thanks for being on with us today, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, so, hey, for the, you know, the three-quarters of a person listening that doesn't know who you are, let's let's give a quick little intro and, and roll from there. Uh, well, if my accent doesn't give it away, uh, I'm Irish. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, considering we met in Boston actually years ago, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm Irish. I've had the, the pleasure. I'm the uh, performance director here at the University of Michigan football with uh, with Coach Harbaugh, who had worked before in San Francisco with the 49ers. Uh, I've had the, the pleasure of working in professionally in soccer, uh, in rugby, uh, the NFL, and now college football. So, um, yeah, I've worked in, in all of the major field sports uh, around the world, and uh it's, uh, I suppose, giving me perhaps a different perspective on, on performance, on, uh, on team sports, and on winning. Well, and, and another interesting thing to your background is your computer science background. And that's had a, a pretty profound impact on how you look at not just strength and conditioning, but overall team performance in general. Let's start talking about that and, and, and go from there. Yeah, um, the originally, actually, my, my original degree was in was teaching, and then I ended up uh, I did a master's in manufacturing, and then I did a, a PhD yeah, in, in computer science. And yes, the 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 I started you know back when I guess IT and and that whole thing was exploding at the time, 
And it was a very, very interesting challenge for me to go from teaching, which is very, very similar to coaching, to, you know, um, and most of the great coaches originally were teachers, whether it was a Lombardi, a Walsh, whatever, and that, that background. But then to transition into something very analytical, um, uh, very IT-based, um, was a challenge. And it taught me as much uh, about coaching, about performance and how to view and how to assess performance as, as teaching did. And um, uh, I think there, there are a lot of benefits to that. Uh, I think there are a lot of pitfalls as well that modern coaching has fallen falling into and that this generation sometimes, the, the next generation of coaches coming through can get sidetracked by. But um, the... The best coaches that I've been around, that I've learned from, have managed to balance uh, the interpersonal, the IQ uh, and EQ uh, abilities, along with uh, a very analytical and structured uh, mindset that, and, and find that balance between the two. Uh, th th that's been my experience. So looking at that and, and taking a step back, I think that it, bringing up the whole thing that there there are some pitfalls is one that a lot of coaches wouldn't necessarily think until they get their hands involved in some of the the technology. And in, in your in your career, what are some pitfalls and, and issues that you've seen coaches and teams have when it came to implementing technology? Um, I think that. If you look back over the timeline of, say, sports science in particular, which is the single biggest influence in coaching currently, um, there was an explosion uh, of ideas around, for example, sabermetrics and moneyball. Then there was an explosion of interest around things like GPS and monitoring and tracking um, or heart rate variability or biometrics or whatever. The, the reality is, though, that all of these different elements are still only looking at parts of the puzzle. And the great challenge is being able to see all of those pieces and being able to pull them together into a view, into a model, into a perspective, and being able to address the athlete. Um, the, sometimes there is a, a tendency to believe that, you know, if the only thing you have is a hammer, well, everything's a nail. So if the only thing you have is GPS, the only thing you have is heart rate variability, the only thing you have is, um, you know, urine testing or whatever it might be, that this is the key metric. Um, the, the great skill that uh, great coaches have is knowing the relevance and the weight to put on these different things. Um, and, and this isn't a new problem. It's a new problem in sport, but it's not a new problem in, in across society. Like, I mean, the, the military have been trying to deal with this challenge particularly over the last decade, where you've got the challenge between systems intelligence and human intelligence, basically knowledge on the ground and then technological information. How do you make decisions based on both of those things? And the best coaches have been able to take analytics, take science, and take their, their experience, their human intelligence, emotional intelligence, dealing with players, marry the two, and make decisions based on both of those. That's... Uh, the, that's the, the pitfall and that's where the, the challenge for us, whether it be a strength coach, nutritionist, sports scientist, 
uh, athletic trainer. That's where the, the challenge currently lies, is finding, again, finding that balance. No doubt about it. That's awesome. So then let's keep going with that and, and knowing that there are these pitfalls. Where have you seen uh, the most success from, you know, bringing these types of things into uh, a sporting team? Where, where have you been able, either through communication or just through implementing some changes, been able to see the, the greatest impact on the players? Um, I think, I think one of the key, th- one of the key lessons, I, I, I think if I start that way is, and, and again, that, that's the reason that, that's the reason that I, you know, I put my book together was that to explain just some of the key lessons and outcomes I've, that I have come to. And one of the key ones is start backwards, start with the game, start with the performance and work backwards to identify the issue that you want to address and try and address it then try and choose which whether it's a technology or a human intervention that you want to to fix the problem as opposed to starting with 150 gps monitors and let's start tracking everything let's start with the performance look at our game look at our team let's see where we believe that we have an issue or an area to improve and let's work backwards to the technology or to the intervention whether that be a personal human soft intervention or whether it be a hard monitoring tracking intervention because in many many cases teams can solve problems with a far simpler approach far simpler intervention intervention closer to the performance closer to the game without having to like i say resort to spending what eventually end up being you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on a particular technology and and consuming a lot of time intervening so um that's one of the key lessons is is start backwards let's work backwards from the game as opposed to monitoring tracking absolutely everything and then trying to figure out you know uh what is relevant you know it's it's like the uh you know it's, it's like the quote i've used before it's you know what you know what you know you know what you don't know you don't know and what you don't know you don't know it's the combination of that so Let's start from the game, work backwards, figure out what we need to improve, and then decide if there is a technological uh, um, or technology that can help us or not. No, and you know, I think that that point is so valuable and so underrated when it comes to people diving into the the sexiness of all of these things, whether it be, like you said, HRV or, or, um, you know, GPS or even just simple wellness questionnaires that like were like the coolest thing ever for like a year and a half because it's yeah. like we just look at it and it's like, oh, well, we're going to do this and all of a sudden we're going to win games. But it's like, what questions are you actually trying to answer? Yeah, the, the, that raises a very, very important point. One of the things that people uh, forget over time, and, and I have a – I have a graphic I can share with you, which is essentially a, um, an implementation pathway. People must understand that, for example, questionnaires, they do have a limited shelf life before people start to get bored of them or tired of them. They have a natural shelf life. If you look at, for example, Fitbits and look at these other technologies, look at how long people actually use them for. So they are useful and they can have a very big impact, but there is a there is a limit to how long people will continue to 
to use them uh, honestly and particularly as an athlete. Um, th- that's the you know that's the first thing. There's also you know a risk to keep up with the Joneses or to say that we have this technology or we don't. But the the real question, and again going back to the you know work backwards from the game, work backwards from the result. Look at all of the teams who have spent the most. Look at the teams who have made the most noise about sports science or about technologies or what they're doing. Um, invariably, they're towards the bottom of the table, sadly. Um, so the correlation between huge investments in complicated sports science and huge investments in technology and success is not there. Um, or at best, it's questionable. The teams who have uh, been the most successful, whether it's teams like the Patriots, whether it's Josie Mourinho, whether it's Alex Ferguson, whoever it might be, whatever the sport might be, whether it's the All Blacks, they're uh, not adverse to using technology, but they tend to be uh, the settlers rather than the pioneers. They tend to be the people who are not forced to jump in, but they're those who ex- uh, extract the most useful ones and use them uh, most intelligently rather than just investing a huge uh, resources and putting all their eggs in in that basket and you you can you can look at those teams and people can draw their own conclusions no a hundred percent and it's and, and again just full circle on this topic it just because what's most useful to the all blacks or to the golden state warriors or to the richmond spiders or michigan wolverines doesn't mean it's going to be what's most important for one of the other four teams i just mentioned yeah, the, and again, you know, mentioning the military again, there's a there's a massive arms industry that runs alongside the, the the military. Well, there's a massive sports technology industry now that runs alongside sport, and people, you know, that has a that has it's worth billions at this stage, and because something is marketed on uh, ESPN.com or whatever website or whatever it might be, it doesn't necessarily mean that is really being used day to day in the environment. You know, we both know when you go and visit certain teams or see certain coaches, the reality, you know, <laughs> what you read in the article is not exactly what's being done, <laughs> what's being done day to day. So, you, you, you know, that's where, that's where those people who do, you know, actually knock on the door and, and visit, they, you know, they find, they see what's really being done. Or, and, not, and perhaps not re- what's really being done, but they see what's really being effective. Yes. And, uh, the answer you gave there um, is what I was hoping you you would say because yeah, it's it's really easy to read an article and, and hear that Team A is doing, you know, Omega Wave in the morning and GPS at practice and this that and the other thing and, and they're using whatever that camera system is that they now run indoors for all these indoor sports to track speed and distance and velocity and blah blah blah. What do those numbers actually do to help the player? Yeah, and you know, it it doesn't it doesn't matter what what you know whatever way you want to spin it or twist it. You, you people don't win by accident, and they don't win consistently by accident. So, um, you know, you, if you look at sustainable success, su- su- sustainable success, teams who are repeatedly successful. Uh, that that's where you find the clues um, and the reasons why they are. And 
Um, you need to find those things. You need to identify what they are and, and draw your conclusions from that. And it may simply be uh, a combination of providing a very good culture, obviously having very good players, being able to motivate them, being able to take care of them, and having good practices, you know, practicing well and performing well. Um, and if you were to look at the top 10 most common things, um, you know, sports science is a supporting element in that. Strength and conditioning is supporting, but there are lots of other factors. Um, and one of the, the, the dangers or threats to success in uh, sports that have a physical dominance is that sometimes strength and conditioning can be too dominant within the coaching uh, sphere. It can have too much say at the expense of uh, perhaps tactical or technical development. That's an important factor in today's uh, in today's uh, in today's world. No, and I I couldn't agree any more with that. It, it's as important as I feel. You know the the physical prep side of it is. The minute we start taking away from an athlete's ability to practice, I mean, just practice, let alone mm -hmm. perform in a in a match or a game or any type of competition is the minute we need to pump our brakes and start figuring out what, what, what are we really trying to do here? Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you take, uh, and I've used this example before, if you, if you take, uh, you know, the, the greatest quarterback ever, just cause he's from Michigan, but you take Tom Brady, <laughs> um, he, you know, he, he's a, he's a perfect example of an athlete who has, um, you know, a, a fabulous technical and tactical ability psychologically very very strong and and physically um he has the qualities needed to execute those other three dimensions and that is all based on a foundation of health he, you know he takes very good care of his own health um which is, allows him to have a, a long career and uh people try to draw uh criticism or try to criticize his physical qualities but none of those are below a functional minimum you know as an as a quarterback there are functional minimum minimums, whether that be flexibility, strength, speed, whatever. And so long as his functional his qualities don't fall below that, he's able to execute tactically, technically, and psychologically. You know what he needs to do, um, and you know we need to learn from those. We need to learn from success as opposed to assuming that um, you know science and technology alone are going to just. Provide it. There are reasons why people are successful, and it's it's our job to understand those and, and try and uh, replicate um, them for the teams that, that, that we have. Well, and it helps that he doesn't get hit a lot. Well, again, that goes back to yeah, absolutely, and that goes back to the you know to the culture, to the team, and to um, yeah to the O line and and how they as a group um, perform. But yeah, absolutely, it. Um, all of those things, all those things matter. They used to call them for, yeah, for number twenty-three. They used to call them the Jordan rules, but uh, yeah, the, those things matter. Oh, no doubt about it. And that's so. Let's let's take a step back then, and let's let's talk about American football. Since you've seen so many other more worldly traditional games, what are some of the challenges that you see in this? field when it comes to working with American football players? Um, I think the, the, the model, the model that, that I've used is the same model. So 
one of the advantages of working full time in in the different sports is that you you are you get to understand uh, the principles behind each of the different sports. So whether that's rugby, whether that's soccer or, or football here, um, the the fundamental principles of the game are all the same. Um, people will find that unusual, but in order to score, whether so, take for example basketball. The aim is always to within the game is to create space. The aim in rugby is to create space when you're attacking. The the aim in the aim defensively is to close down space. So tactically, the games have great similarities between them. The athletes as well are fundamentally the same. All athletes at their core have health. That's their foundation. If they're not healthy, they're not going to have a long career, and something's going to 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 catch up with them. Now. Elite athletes can compensate for periods of time, and you see it all the time. They can compensate for missing some night's sleep, or they can compensate for whatever in the short term. But long term, and we're talking about sustainable success, we're talking about dominant athletes, they must have a foundation of health. And then on top of that, you've got four main qualities. Your tactical ability, your tactical quality, your technical quality or skill, your physical, and your psychological and all athletes have those four qualities in, in different percentages, different influences. So, again, you take a Cam Newton, perhaps, and a Tom Brady, as just as an example, and I'm being very general here. Both achieve similar uh, outcomes, and but Cam achieves them through being incredibly athletic, uh, you know, great technical, tactical ability as well, psychologically, but largely physical, whereas Tom Brady uh, relies on incredible physical, tactical, and technical ability not so much uh, not so much physical mostly psychological so what i'm saying is that it's how these athletes achieve similar outcomes but emphasizing different qualities and all sports are the same all those four things the foundation of health and then the four technical tactical physical and psychological qualities are common to all athletes our job is to be able to maximize each one of those without uh, without the expense of what we might classify as a weakness. So you want to continue to develop those four qualities. Now, the challenge becomes where we can measure all of the physical ones very easily, strength, speed, power. Uh, tactical, technical, and psychological ones are a little bit more difficult to measure. But if we don't try and account for them, we're certainly not going to improve them. Yes, because you can't, you can't do anything if you don't measure something. Yes, and even just to be simply aware of them. So, uh, and this is where, you know, when, when you sit down and you go through all of your players with the head coach, uh, if you only discuss the physical qualities, sorry, if you only discuss the things you measure, which very often end up being physical body benches, what his body with are these things, and you don't, in some shape or form, measure, assess, uh, qualify or quantify the psychological elements, the skill elements, technical elements, or the tactical qualities of that player, you, you, like you say, you're not, going to, you're not going to improve them or you're not going to emphasize them to that player. Because we've all seen the players who are you know, physical studs um, but lack positional awareness, lack a technical uh, aptitude. Do they know tactical being, meaning do they know where they need to be at a particular point in time. Uh, so if that is the limiting factor, and it's, this is the key thing is, can we identify the limiting factor in the athlete 
And then do we know how to fix it? Because the player who is a physical stud does may not can comp, can replace some time that he spends in the gym with working on these tactical or technical qualities. Yes, 100%. And I think that the other thing too, piggybacking on your Cam Newton versus Tom Brady um, comparison, is we need to make sure that whatever that athlete does that makes that athlete a rock star, they continue to be a rock star at that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very, very important point. Um, something I learned from a very good friend of mine many years ago. A strength is a strength for a reason. And, you know, we don't have, and I, I don't use the term weakness, we have limiting factors. We have things that limit your ability to express your strength. So a classic example might be you have a player who's incredibly strong. Um, their flexibility may be limiting that. You don't term it a weakness because you don't want to give the player the out or the complex that they have a flexibility weakness or flexibility issue. But you explain to them by improving mobility and flexibility, you can get stronger. So the key is to continue to optimize, which, which is the, the way to look at it. It's not about necessarily maximizing. It's about optimizing the qualities to achieve the outcome, the best outcome for that, uh, for that athlete, athlete. But the reason that the player is most likely in front of you is because of these strengths. So you maintain those strengths and ensure that you know the limiting factor does not limit, that you continue to improve that limiting factor so it doesn't limit those strengths. Because there is a law of expectation in team sport. If you come up against Tom Brady, you come up against a Michael Jordan, you come up against Richie McCall, you know what they're going to do. You know, everybody who played Michael Jordan knew what he was going to do. His job was just to do it faster and quicker than you could stop him. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why people have those strengths. Um, and the, the difference between uh, elite and sub-elite uh, simply comes down to time. People doing things faster and faster with less space than they can do, than are being done at a lower level. That's what it comes down to. No, yes. And I, I couldn't agree anymore. And that's absolutely fantastic. Well, Fergus, let's let's finish this out going all the way back to the little nugget you dropped that people probably missed, and that's about your book. How about we share what what the book <laughs> is gonna be about? Let's give some people uh a little bit of a an appetizer here because this is gonna be special. Um well like, I mean, I, over the years, I, I've I put together notes. And one of the advantages, I guess, I didn't see it at the time, but every time I would move sports, you move from rugby to soccer, it is incredibly uncomfortable. Or you, you know, you move halfway around the world to work in the NFL. Or you, you know, it's uncomfortable because you're out of your comfort zone. So what I had kept doing was keeping a notebook or notebooks of the principles and writing them down. Um, and... It's something that I wanted to, to leave for for the coaches coming through because you you know you do get asked people you know come to visit um, people ask you for what are the key things and I eventually had to get this into into a book which is based on the, the principles of team sport the book is called Game Changer there are four sections to it one is the game so 
what I outline are the common principles in all team sports. Like I spoke to you earlier about, you know, in offense, your job primarily is to create space, how you do it, how you sequence it, how do you train that. Um, the, the, the second element is about the athlete, the common. All of the qualities are the same in a soccer player, rugby player, and American footballer, but they're emphasized differently. In other words, they all must be flexible, but how do we develop them, how do we train them, and how much? It's like, it's like having keys on the piano. You need to know when to press them, and uh, when to play them, and how hard. Uh, the third section is about is about the training, the preparation, how you structure it. For example, you know why periodization doesn't exist anymore, why there's no such thing. Uh, how do you how do you create? You know the key emphasis of training and of practice is to create an experience for the athlete. You don't actually train anybody. What you do is you create an experience, and you replicate that experience so many times. So that, like I said earlier, when the player is you know driving down the lane, when he's being rushed at that he's relying on instinct. How do you create a habit? How do you create an experience that trains instinct? That's really what we're trying to do. And the last section then is about the team, team culture, and how you build that from the top down so that you can address off-the-field issues before they happen. How do you create the environment that builds? The key thing is sustainable success. Um, we can you know, take teams in the short term whether you're the strength coach, whoever you are, and really drive teams hard in the short term to be successful. But dominant teams that repeatedly win, there's it's a different approach that's needed there. It's a steady approach based on a, on a solid foundation. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of things that will... Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of things people will find challenging, but um, hopefully uh, hopefully it'll cause some, some good debate. No, and it's killer information that's highly necessary especially nowadays you know with with the direction most of these teams are going when should people be able to uh expect that out uh it's available available for pre-order it's out in uh out in august uh, uh but it's available for pre-order now on amazon so um i look forward to look forward to getting your feedback jay oh dude i can't wait i can't wait this is uh this is something that's been a long time coming brother it's going to be absolutely killer um, and man, I can't thank you enough for your time today. This is an absolutely fantastic talk. It's full of great information. Fergus, thank you so much for spending the time with us, buddy. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, man. And we'll be in touch really soon. Excellent. Bye. Bye. Right. And a huge thanks to the performance director for Michigan football, Fergus Connolly, for spending some time with us today and uh, to be, you know, being so open and honest and candid and sharing so many awesome gems in that talk, guys. So many great things to think about before you start diving into what you're doing, you know, when it comes to monitoring your athletes. Fergus, he's one of the best, and he's a guy that doesn't hold punches when it comes to, to what he does and, and sharing information. So couldn't thank him enough for, for being on the show today. Um, if you were looking to pre-order the book, we'll put the link below, Facebook, YouTube, on our page, uh, Potomatic, iTunes, it'll be there. Um, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely killer. You know, again, Fergus is a rock star guy. So I hope you guys really did enjoy the talk as much as I did. And if you did, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. And if you haven't subscribed yet on iTunes, Podomatic, or YouTube, please go ahead and do that, guys. We're just trying to get great information out to all the great coaches. So if you did enjoy it, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is, please feel free to share it away. And again, I can't thank Fergus enough for 
being so open and honest with us today. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the talk. And thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.